Welcome to Northridge Church Online. We're glad to have you join us. There's something we say every week because we believe that it is so important. Northridge Church is a safe place. It doesn't matter if you're exploring and trying to discover if God and the Bible are real or if you've been walking with God your entire life. Northridge is a place to come and ask questions, to seek answers, to discover, to grow, and to build community. Thanks for joining us. There's something I need to let you know about me today, and that is this. I love Amazon. I love going online and looking at all they have to offer and thinking of anything I can to search and typically being able to find it. What I love even more than finding things on Amazon is using Amazon Prime, their two-day delivery. There gives me nothing more than excitement to think I'm going to be receiving something in the next couple of days. I tell you what's even more exciting is when I hear that UPS truck on the street, I know that they are bringing me a brown box. And even more exciting is they are going to leave it on my doorstep for me to find. Now, an interesting thing happens in the Bickett household when we hear the UPS these days. It becomes a family event to see who can get to the door first, because that person then gets to receive the box and bring it inside. And inevitably what follows is that dreaded question, Mom, can I open the box? And I tell you what, a little piece inside of me dies every time, because I really wanted to open that box. I don't think I have a problem, but my husband might disagree. The other day when he came home, there was a brown box on our step waiting to be brought inside, so he dutifully brought it in and set it next to the other big brown boxes on the floor. And he asked a seemingly innocent question, what's in the box? To which my reply was, I don't know. And I watched his face as it slowly shifted into complete and utter dismay as he realized I honestly and truly did not know what was in the box, which of course prompted the next question. How could you not know? Didn't you order it? Hello, my name is Chris and I love Amazon. And if you love Amazon or at least receiving those boxes, will you throw up a clap in the comments or let me know so I don't feel like I'm the only one with this problem? You know what? Today we're talking about the paradox of receiving because we are in a series called Paradox Going Against the Grain. So I am going to get back to my story. My husband said to me, didn't you know what is in the box? Well, the short answer is no, right now I didn't because I hadn't opened up any of the other boxes. The long story is I was working on a large project that required a lot of contents to be delivered to our house. And so since I hadn't opened up the previous boxes to know what was in them, I didn't know what was in the most recent box. So some of you are wondering, why are we talking about boxes today? Because the paradox of receiving is just that. We are given something. It could be represented a gift, or it could be represented with fill in the blank, but it is given to us to use. So for those of you who don't know me, my name is Chris Bickett, and I'm the student ministries pastor here at Northridge. I get the privilege of working with children and families every week and investing nuggets of truth about Jesus and God, the Holy Spirit and the Bible into their lives as they grow. 
This is something that I truly treasure because everything that is invested in them gets multiplied and used in the future. Today, since I'm talking to you, we're talking about, again, the paradox of receiving. And so it's interesting that Jesus would have a lesson for us in the Bible about receiving. He's telling a story to people that are around him because they're learning from him, and it has to do with a new way of teaching. He's talking about the kingdom of heaven, which they don't understand and is new to them. We're going to pick up the story that Jesus is sharing called a parable in the book of Matthew chapter 25. He's teaching this to the followers so that they can begin to understand what the kingdom of heaven is like. Chapter 25, starting with verse 14, says, Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. Jesus is the one telling this story. He continues, The boss or the master gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to the next, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. He then left on his trip. The story continues, and I'm going to summarize it for you here. The master leaves for his long trip, and the first two workers that were given five and two bags of silver immediately got to work, and they ended up doubling their bags. The third worker took his and promptly went and buried it in the ground and hid it. The master is gone, but returns, and when he returns, he calls his servants in to ask for an account of what they did with his money. The first two share their accounts, and the response that Jesus gives to them is exactly the same. Let's listen. It's found in verse 23. The master said, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops where you did not plant and gathering crops where you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here is your money back, as if this was what the master wanted. But the master replied, You wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops where I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten something of interest on it. Then he ordered, Take the money from this servant and give it to the one with the ten bags of silver. There's quite a difference in how the master responded to what the servants did with their money. To the first two, he said, Well done and faithful and celebrated with them. To the last one, he called him lazy and wicked and was upset with him. And sometimes, if I'm honest, it's hard for me to compute why he would be so concerned about his money that he would say things so harshly to the last servant. But this is where I know I have to stop. I need to go back and read the story again. I need to put it into a larger context so I can try to understand what is going on. Because the truth is, every story that is told in the Bible, especially parables that Jesus is telling us, teaching stories, point us back to him and his truth. So why is Jesus telling this story? 
He could have allowed the master to have said the same thing to the last servant, even though he had the money. But that would not be truthful. You see, the paradox of receiving is this. In God's economy, what we receive, we are to reinvest. And that's our first main point. In God's economy, what we receive, we are to reinvest. In other words, what we are given is to be used for the good of others. The entire purpose of the boss giving his wealth to his workers while he was gone was for them to take it and invest it and increase its worth. In fact, scripture also tells us that he divided it according to proportion of their abilities, something that is very important for us to remember as we move forward with this story. The master, or Jesus, knew his servants. He knew their skills and abilities and who would be able to handle what challenge and what would become too much or a burden when he assigned their portions. Let me explain it like this. How many of you have ever had to plan a party and there were multiple people involved? Well, you know if there's multiple people involved, you have to figure out whose personalities fit with what job. The person that is always early is probably the one that you want to ask to set up. Then you want to know the person that is going to bring the best food to the party, the person that is going to bring the fun to the party, the person that's going to be the spokesman so that the word gets out to the right people to know when to show up and what to do. And finally, there's always someone who comes in a little bit late, but they are going to stick around until that last piece of trash is picked up before they leave to go home. Well, if you're in charge of leading this group, you're not going to assign that person that gets there last and a little bit late every time for setup duty. That would be setting them up for failure. Not only would it be horrible for that person, but it would mean that the party is off to a bad start and it would be stressful for everybody. In this story, Jesus is the master and he knows the skills of his workers that he is assigning them to do. He also knows us, because in this story, the workers aren't just those with Jesus in the day he's telling the story. It's with those of us that are trying to follow him today. So he knows us right now, intimately and deeply. He knows what we're capable of because he is the one that has given us our abilities and our talents, our longings and our desires, things that make us who we are our wiring, and he's given it to us intentionally. What we're not done, what we're not supposed to do is to sit idly or to bury those gifts as the last servant had done. When he gives us these things, he wants us to use them and he wants us to multiply them. Now in the story, money is simply the illustration or the example for us to get a grasp on. And one thing that he wants us to understand is what we're good at. So how do we figure that out? If you have a piece of paper and a pen nearby, go ahead and grab it. If not, you can make a mental checklist. In fact, I did this myself and you're going to see it in just a moment. Start writing down things that you are good at. What do you enjoy? What makes you tick? What makes you happy? What are things that you enjoy doing? that somebody doesn't have to beg or cajole you to do? What are things that make you excited? What makes you emotional? 
What makes your heart want to do something about a situation? Whatever these things are, write them down. You can see mine up on the screen. I did a really basic start where I literally took just a couple of minutes to start writing down, what do I like? What am I good at? What makes me happy? And you can see it quickly spread from there. Now mine is not yours, so don't look at it and try to copy it. Take an honest assessment of what makes you tick. What makes you, you. Because those are the things that Jesus has invested in you for his purpose. In God's economy, what we receive, we are to reinvest. But the second point I want you to remember is this. Jesus is intentional about what he gives to each person. Jesus is intentional about what he gives to each person. You see, the master in the story, Jesus, gave away five bags of silver, two bags of silver, and one bag of silver, each according to their ability. He wanted them to take care of it and to invest it because any business manager knows if you're not making money, you're, yep, you're losing money. He wanted it invested so that he didn't lose any of his worth while he was gone. And in these days, it was very common for the servants to take care of whatever the master left and to grow it for him. In the example, though, Jesus didn't just give a little. In fact, he was extremely generous. The value of each bag of silver was worth 20 years of income. 20 years So the servant that received one bag of silver received 20 years of income or worth from the master to use and invest. The servant that received the five bags of silver, 100 years of income. Stop and think for a moment of what your annual salary is and then make it 100 years of your salary. That is what he was entrusting to his servants, his workers, to take care of and multiply while he was gone. There was a lot of trust there. And to Jesus, he said before, this was a small amount. It really wasn't anything. So something so small for Jesus, a hundred years worth of investment, was given without condition, was given without explanation, was given without explicit directives, and simply was given to the workers and said, take this and do what you do well. I trust you with it. Often today, when we put it into our perspective, we limit ourselves. We think that we're not worth whatever Jesus has put inside of us. We think we don't have the ability to be able to handle such an amazing amount or such a talent or a gift or whatever it is that you have. We think that we're like the worker who buried the money. Maybe we've messed up in the past. Maybe we have done some poor choices and they really caught up to us. Maybe we're afraid to get going because we feel we don't have the skills necessary in order to be successful. Whatever it is, let me reassure you, you're right. We have messed up. We do make mistakes. We don't have the skills. But the master, Jesus, knows us intimately. He knows what our abilities are and what we are capable of far beyond 
what we know ourselves. Just as he entrusted the workers, he's entrusting his worth and his value in us today. You see, and Jesus tells us that investing, it takes time. It's not that he gave the money and said, I want an immediate result in the next week. He went on a long journey. He gave them time to invest and he gave them time to make mistakes and to recuperate from them. The other thing that we are promised throughout scriptures that they wouldn't have known at the time he was teaching is that Jesus is with us every step of the way. He promises that whatever hill or valley we go through, he is with us. And more importantly, he will give us a helper called the Holy Spirit. So when we talk about the paradox of receiving, we know that first in God's economy, what we receive, we're expected to reinvest. Second of all, that Jesus is intentional about what he gives to each and every person. And thirdly, Jesus gives to us generously so that we can bless others. And this is exactly what we see Jesus do in his story. When he sees that the two workers handled his money and his worth with honesty and integrity, and they increased it for him, he knew that they were trustworthy. He knew that they had his best interest at heart, and so he gave them even more responsibility. We see this in verse 29. He said, To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. In other words, when Jesus gives us something to invest, we need to invest it. Because the master provides generously intentionally, he has the expectation that we will do something with it. The reason he got so upset with the third worker who took his bag and buried it was he did nothing with it. He took it and said essentially, I don't want this. I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to have it. And he buried it. It was as if Jesus had never even given it to him until he returned and said, here, you can have it back now. Think of it this way. When birthdays or special occasions roll around, we go out and we try to find the perfect gift to give to a loved one because we know them and we know what will make them happy. We know what they want. We know what they need. If we take that special gift that we've picked out and we wrap it up and we say, here you go, this is just for you. And they look at us and go, no, I don't want it. You can take it back. We would be absolutely devastated and crushed. And yet we don't realize that that is exactly what we're doing and saying to Jesus. Every time something he has placed inside of us, we say, I don't want to use. I don't think I'm good enough. I don't trust you with what you have given me. We're telling Jesus, I would rather bury it in the ground and ignore it than accept and use what you have given me. So is it worth it to to reinvest things that we have, things that we receive? Don't overcomplicate this. Keep it simple. In fact, I want you to think selfishly for just a moment. Think about a time that you have been invested in. 
for me recently, I was invested in, in a mentoring group and we went through a book together and simply met three times online through Zoom. Yay, Zoom. And we were able to grow together. Now, part of that mentoring group was the leader said, I am going to mentor you in this so you can then turn around and mentor others just like I'm doing. Now, is my level of expertise going to be the same as this leader's? Absolutely not. Is it going to look the same? Probably not. But here's the expectation. I'm investing in you so you can turn around and invest in others. Now go back to yourself and be selfish for a moment again. When is the last time you were invested in? Maybe someone gave you something you needed or someone showed you how to do something that you didn't know how to do. Maybe someone came and fixed something for you or mailed you a card. Maybe someone said a really kind word when you were in a really hard spot one day. Or maybe something was paid through at a drive-thru because someone ahead of you paid for your items. Those are all investments. And Jesus is saying, whatever I give you is meant to be invested and then is meant to be reinvested. All of those things are from Jesus. What if one day you were to wake up and to discover that all of your debts had been paid in full, that they were canceled? That would be the most fantastic day for those of us, especially Americans right now, to know that we had no debt, that we were free to do whatever we wanted with our money. And yet when we put it into God's economy, that's exactly what Jesus did for us. He died on the cross for my sins and for your sins, for the entire human race, so that all of us would have the chance to accept Jesus and to say, I believe in you and I believe in God. He has wiped all of our debts clean, but most of us hold back from living into that freedom because we're stuck thinking the one bag, let's bury it mindset. Because the other workers proved fruitful and they doubled what the master Jesus had given them, he knew that their skill sets had increased. It wasn't that they took this money and instantly had doubled the amount that would be almost impossible in any investment situation that is righteous. Jesus said, now that you've expanded your skill set, I'm going to give you even more to invest and to multiply and to give away. He continued to increase their responsibilities because they proved faithful with the little that they had been given. And here's the great thing. That saying, no risk, no reward, Jesus knows it well. He knows that every time he gives us something to invest, whatever it is inside of us, however it is we're wired for his purposes, that there's a risk we're going to fail. And he's okay with that because he knows that the reward of investing over the long haul outweighs any risk of failure or misstep that we can take along the way. And you know what? It's not just a matter of investing for adults. This applies to kids as well. Young people, you have an influence. Don't let anybody tell you that you don't. 
Those around you, you have just as much influence and ability to invest into as any adult that you will see around you. What we invest in over time multiplies and it gets rewarded. Let me give you a really easy example. One day, my kids and I came to visit a friend and a neighbor girl came over to play. So while we're all standing there talking, the friend said, hey, do you recognize Miss Chris from church? Now it was quite apparent from this little girl's face that she's running through all of the options and I am not one of them that is familiar. So after a few seconds and a little bit of embarrassment, she shook her head no. And in my head, honestly, there was a little bit of disappointment. But I started rationalizing, okay, it's been five months, thank you, COVID. We haven't seen each other. Um, She's young, she's in preschool, and she's going into kindergarten. I don't teach the preschool class, so she doesn't see me as much. And then all of a sudden, out of the blue, this little girl looks beyond me and goes, I do know her. Well, standing right next to me, off to my side, was my middle daughter, Emma. Emma loves serving and helping the teachers in the preschool classroom. She's done it the last couple of years. So she would have been in that classroom with this little girl every time she came to church. And what Emma gets to do is she gets to play with the kids. She gets to help them do their crafts and their activities. She gets to sit with them while they learn lessons about God and Jesus and what it means in their lives. And so Emma had invested little by little into this girl every time she saw her in her Northridge kids classroom. It led to this little girl recognizing her and being so excited when it registers who she is. I know her. The little girl goes off to play and we continue our conversation. And pretty soon it's time for the little girl to go home. And the next thing I know, I'm getting a hug around my knees and then Emma gets a full body hug. And as she skips home, she says in the sweetest little voice, I miss you. I tell you that right there was enough to choke me up. You see, I invest into my daughter because she's my daughter and because it's natural. My daughter invests into this little girl because she wants to be in that classroom. She's gifted to be with that age of children. She has invested little bits and they came back in a reward of being recognized as a friend and being missed because they hadn't been together recently. That is what it's like when Jesus says, what I put into you is to be invested and then reinvested in others. It was a blessing that day for Emma to know that she was remembered and she was missed just as much as it was for that little girl. So as we wrap up, we need to remember the paradox of receiving is understanding. In God's economy, we receive so we can reinvest. Jesus is intentional about what he gives to every single person. And Jesus gives to us generously so that we can bless others. You remember all of my boxes at the beginning of the story from Amazon? I was so excited to receive them. I was even more excited to open them up because for all of those boxes that I had, 
and all of them that came into my house, not a single item was for me. We have a large project that's coming up that you've probably read about in Northridge News, back to school boxes for families. All of those items in those boxes, all of that content is going to be put into a box to be given to your family. We know that this time of being at home is challenging. We know that the majority of the kids are going to be staying in online learning and not getting to interact, meaning they're at home even more. So we wanted to give your family a little gift, a way of supporting and encouraging you during this time as we get ready to head back to school. We also wanna practice what we preach. We wanna practice being generous and investing and giving away and reinvesting. So when you drive through, and there's directions in Northridge News about how to do that, you're going to see familiar faces waving and hopefully you'll bring your kids so we can say hi to them. But you're also given a second box. And what we want you to do with the second box is to give it away to a family that doesn't attend Northridge. We want you to intentionally invest in someone that is in your sphere, but doesn't necessarily know God. It's a simple way for us to say, here's a box with a free pizza and lots of other goodies in it that you're gonna want to go through as a family. Enjoy, it's free. We want to encourage you to take the step to reach out. And this is a natural opener. We believe in you, we believe in your family, and we believe in the giftings and abilities that God has put in each of you to be used for his purpose. I hope this week that you will lean into that. Let's pray. Jesus, I just thank you for our time to come together to learn about you and to learn about your truth and how it impacts our lives. I pray that this week you would help us to see ways that you are working inside of us individually and how you want us to use what you've given in order to be reinvested into others. Help us to recognize ways that you are wanting to be a blessing in and through us. I pray that you would help us to accept the way that you have wired us and gifted us because it's specific and it's intentional and it's generous. And you want us to live into that with confidence because you trust us and you give so generously. I pray that you would bless the boxes that are going to be prepared and would go out to families, whether it's a Northridge family or a family that doesn't attend. And that each of these boxes would just be a reminder of how good you are and how much we truly love each other because you love us. Thank you that you have taken care of all of our sins. Thank you that you love us and you want what is absolutely best for us and those around us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So every week we hear, I love you and God loves you. Have a great day.